I want to thank y'all for being here this morning. Like I say, you know, we've got quite a few people missing this today. But, uh, you know, like the scripture says, we're two or more gathered in Jesus' name. His presence is there among us. So he's here. So I want to just thank our guests. we got several guests this morning. Y'all be sure and greet them and say hi. And I uh, see we got Miss Judy Wilson back. Oh, she brought Junior. Good to see you, Junior. Glad to have you with us. Uh, you know, I love that song that we just sang, I Know a Man Who Can. Do all of us know that man? I hope we do, because it's so true. You know, there's so much we can't do, but we know a man who can. And, uh, but this morning I wanted to bring y'all a short message and everything, and, uh, but I've entitled it, Remembering God's Amazing Grace. You know, I love that song, Amazing Grace. But sometimes as we go through this life, sometimes we forget about who God is and what God wants to do in our lives. Uh, and I'm going to read two verses this morning out of Hebrews. Now these two verses say a lot. I don't preach a whole lot on this, and I should preach more. But I want you all to listen to these two scriptures because they have a very strong meaning and it's really telling us something as we're going to see as I get into this message. But it's a Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 27. Now I want you all to listen to what God is saying to us. Just <clears throat> For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking for the judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour God's adversaries. Now, I'm going to read another translation here. It's just a little bit clear what I read was out of the King James. And, uh, but I want to read another one here. It says, <clears throat> it's saying the same thing, but it's just a little bit clearer. It says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, and that's of Jesus Christ, what He done, how He died for us, how He paid for our sins, and then we turn our back on Him and walk away from Him. When we do this, we're in a, we, we've got a problem. It says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment of a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Pretty clear, isn't it? When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we turn and we walk away and go back into the world, this is very displeasing to God. Many people claim to be saved but yet they just went through the process and they never really received Jesus Christ in their heart. Many Christians sitting in church call themselves Christians that aren't. They went through the motions of accepting Jesus Christ, but they never really in their heart believed 
and received him, confessed him as their Lord and Savior publicly. They never really received Christ. They just went through the motions. They went through the actions. Jesus says, this is wrong. He will not accept this. This is not coming unto him. Uh, we have to receive Christ in our heart. Believe in Him. Trust in Him. He's number one in our life. You know, all of us who have tr truly trusted and have faith in Christ, we have reaped such great benefits. We have reaped, reaped His salvation. We have reaped eternal life. We will know for sure in our hearts that one day, when we are no longer on this earth, we know where we're going to be. We know we're going to be in the presence of God. We're going to be in heaven. For those who have truly never received Christ, where are they going to be? They're going to be in a fiery, burning hell. That's what he just said right here. So how do we see God. How do you see God? If you had to describe God to somebody, how would you do it? What would you tell them? What would we say? Unfortunately, there are many people in this world that have a one-sided, incorrect view of God's character. They really don't know who God is. They've never really had a truthful, meaningful experience with God. And you don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you mean. God has got so much in store for us. In these scriptures that we just read, we see a side of God that is often forgotten or we've ignored it. These scriptures give us a good, deep look at the hatred God has for sin. God hates sin. God hates sin. And he's telling us right here how much he hates it. And if we can continue in it and not get out of it and go through life still sinning willfully, consciously knowing that we are sinning, our destination is not heaven. Our destination is hell. And God's telling us this right out just blatantly. He wants, I want you to know. I don't want no misunderstanding of what's going to happen. Many people, oh, I'm all right. God wouldn't do that. God wouldn't send me to hell. No, he wouldn't. But you might send yourself. God doesn't send anybody. God, you send yourself. You have the option of where you're going to be. You have the option of being in heaven for all eternity, or you have the option of being in hell for all eternity. That's your decision. God says, I have given you a free will. I'm not going to make you accept me. I'm not going to make you come to me. This is going to be your free will. You're going to have to want me. I'm not going to force myself on you. And God doesn't force himself on anyone. You know, as we look at it, there's a strong warning that God has given us in these verses. Do not continue to sin 
after you have known the truth. Don't continue to do it. Don't live in sin. Don't go back to where you came from. You know, you wasn't happy where you was there for a while. You came to God. Now you're not happy with God. Because you said, well, I'm sure missing a lot of stuff in that world. I think I'm just going to go back. God will let you go back. He's not going to stop you. He'll, he'll you know, he'll say, I'd like for you to stay with me. Because you don't realize what I've got for you. What does Scripture say? For the eyes of men have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man what God's got in store for them that love Him. We don't realize there's been one man, Paul, that says he's not real sure if he was there in the physical state or if it was a spiritual state. But he went to heaven and he saw some things. But you know, when he came back, he couldn't talk about it. He couldn't describe it even. Just the beauty. Why? You know, Paul had nothing here on earth to compare to what he saw in heaven. It was so much beautiful. More, be more beautiful. Beautiful. I don't know where I got that. But, uh, it, uh, but it was so much more beautiful in heaven that there is nothing here on earth that he could compare to heaven. You know, I've told you all about this before, but my wife's dad got a glimpse of heaven. He had surgery, heart surgery, and as he was out and re recuperating and still under anesthetic, he dreamed he went to heaven. He couldn't talk about that for a long time. Finally, one day he told us. And as he, as he would talk and try to tell us, he, the tears just kept flowing. He couldn't even hardly get it out. But he was talking about how beautiful the colors and how bright and how beautiful everything was. The flowers, the flowers in heaven, he saw them. He said, they are so beautiful. He said, the colors are nothing like what they are here. The grass, he said, was so, well, so evidently there's grass. He saw grass. Everything was just so beautiful. And he said he was standing there and so all of a sudden somebody was motioning for him. Come here, come here. And he kept looking at those beautiful flowers. He kept saying, I didn't want to walk through them. I didn't want to stand on them. I didn't want to step on them and crush them. That guy, that whoever it was beckoned him to come, he said, no, come to me. And so he started walking. He said, the flowers wasn't crushed. They came up through his feet. They came through his feet. He didn't crush them. But he was talking about just, just the, 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 the glory of everything in heaven. And the nurses come in there, and they finally woke him up out of his sleep. He was so mad. He did everything he could to go back to sleep. He said, I want to go back. Well, he's there now. He's in heaven now. And he knew what he was going back to. See, he's, he got a glimpse and a vision. And I actually believe God gave it to him because it wasn't all that much longer before he went to heaven. Sometimes I think God shows us things. To get us ready. To get us ready for what's coming. Do you know God personally? Do you know who He is? Do you feel His Spirit in you? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you walking with that Spirit? Are you trusting in God in your everyday life? You know, I don't know what I would do if I could not sit down each day, read my Bible, and pray. 
Sometimes I get so close to God in my studying, in my praying, in my reading. I mean, it just feels like sometimes it's just the presence of God is right there. Sometimes I, do, I just wish he'd be out, get, reach out and put his arm around me and say, Hey, Bill, what's going on? Let's visit a minute. But sometimes that feeling, is so it's hard to explain if you've never felt it. It's hard to explain what goes through you. That feeling that you just, it's that feeling, like I said before, it's just something you know that you know that you know and you can't explain it. It's there. When God visits, He's there. You can feel His presence. And you know, and you get there, you hate it when that moment stops, when it ends. All of a sudden, you feel like you've been abandoned. Like, gosh, it's so lonely. It's not like it was a few minutes ago. I hope every one of us can have that experience of feeling the presence of God But God gives us, like I said, he gives us a strong warning in these two verses right here. He gives us a very strong warning. Do not continue to sin after you know the truth. After you know who I am, what I have done, what I sacrificed, what I went through for you. See, we've got something coming up. It's called the tribulation. Why? Why? Because God's going to pour out his anger and his wrath on every unbeliever, those that put down Jesus, those that do not believe in Jesus. God's wrath is going to be so hot and so strong. These people, they said that, that they go through some of the things, and instead of repenting, they were cursing God for the pain and the suffering that they were going through in the tribulation. They said, as a matter of fact, the Bible says, for in the tribulation it would be so bad that we'll never see it in this world again. Anything like this bad. God is punishing those who do not believe, those who may have once thought they believed and turned and left him and walked back into the world. And the good thing I like that the Bible tells us about the tribulation is there still can be some saved during the tribulation. If if you do not bow down to the Antichrist, you do not accept the Antichrist, because once you bow down and acknowledge him as your God, there's no way that you're going to be saved. That's what the Bible says. That did it. You chose Satan over God. God said, you want Satan? You got him. We give up our only hope to acknowledging the Antichrist as our God. Never do that. Don't take the mark of the beast. You know, they say the mark of the beast will probably be on the back of your hand or on your forehead. They really don't know what the mark is. A lot of people think it's something like a barcode that they'll scan. I don't know what it is. It makes a lot of sense. It's, it's going to be something like that. But we don't know. We don't know yet. But one day, it will be offered to you. You can't be forced to take it. If you don't take it, chances are you're going to be killed. But if you've accepted God, or you accept God before you, at that point, you're going to be in heaven. Or, you can take the code and the mark and know for sure 
you're going to be in hell. So you go, you're going to have a choice there too. But, uh, but like I said, God says, do not continue to sin after receiving the truth. It says in the Bible in Numbers uh, 32, 23, be sure your sin will find you out. You can't hide it. You can't deny it. If you've done it, you've done it. If you don't confess it, it will find you out. You know, God has made a way when we accept Him that if we mess up, that we can come to Him and be forgiven. Sometimes, you know, a lot of times we've got an enemy out there that continues. He says, he says, a roaring lion going about seeking whom he may devour. He is constantly looking for one of God's children to come against, to try to turn them away from God, to take them away from God. We have to be aware of what's going on. We know that the Bible tells us that, that, that Satan is the father of all lies. The truth is not in him. He is a constant liar. He cannot tell the truth. And anything he says about God is a lie. He cannot tell the truth. He is totally against everything of God. So if you hear something or somebody's trying to tell you to do something, if that word, if that does not line up with the word of God, get rid of it. Don't pay attention to it. Rebuke it. Don't listen to it because that is not God. It doesn't line up with God's Word. And that's why it's very important many times that we know what Scripture says. So when the enemy comes and starts trying to tell you something, you start automatically, that's going to hit you so strong. They say, hey, that's not what the Bible says. I rebuke that right now in the name of Jesus. I'm not accepting that. Lord, I just ask for your hand on me, to watch over me, to guide me, and to bring me through all this stuff. You know, we have to sometimes just fall on our face right before God. Repent and say, Lord, look, I messed up. I made a mistake. You know, people who willfully continue to sin after receiving God's truth, you all know what? God considers them enemies. They keep on sinning after they know the truth and still keep on sinning. God says, those are my enemies. And I don't know if you realize or not. You know, there is no middle of the road when it comes to our relationship with God. No straddling the fence. You make up your mind one way or the other. It's God or it's the world. It can't be both. It can't be both. We have to make up our mind who your God is. Is it the God of this world or an almighty God in heaven? We have to make that choice. You know, here it says uh, that uh, if we're kind of in that middle of the road and we haven't really made up our mind, where God is in our life, it says that you're either his child or you're his enemy. You're either his child or you're either his enemy. You know, in the Bible it says, Jesus said, if they're not for me, they are against me. It's not, a, it's not a, an option there. You're either for him or you're against him. 
Well, I don't know if I'm all the way. Well, yeah, if you're not with him, you're against him. It has to be a total outgoing faith in who God is and who God is in your life. God wanted to make some of these things clear. You know, and two, I want to say something. It does not mean that everyone who sins is God's enemy. You know, like I said, we can be a good crafty Christian, love God with all of our heart, but sometimes you still you'll make a mistake. You'll slip up. You'll do something you shouldn't do. You'll say something you shouldn't have said. God's made a way out for us. When we do this, when we mess up, when we slip up, we do something that we did not intend to do, we can come to God and in our heart ask Him for His forgiveness. I mean, you have to mean it. You can't come to God and say, God, forgive me, I sinned, just because somebody saw you do it and you got caught. It has to be, it is in your heart. That I, oh, Lord, I don't know how this happened. Lord, I did not intentionally mean for this to happen. Well, God made a way for us because He knew it was going to happen. He knew your flesh. He knew you are blood. He knew you have an enemy that's constantly coming after you. And He says, I know my people. I know they're human. I know they're weak. I know they're going to make mistakes at times. He says, so I'm going to put something in my Bible to help them get through it. And we've said it many times, 1 John 1, 9. If we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, he knew we was going to mess up. He knew we was going to have problems. He said, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to put a word in my Bible that will show them if it's unintentional, they didn't mean to do it, they caught off guard, they just messed up, I'm going to fix a way for them to be forgiven. We're going to start all over. I'm not going to count that sin against them. Boy, you know, it's so good when God does not count sin against you because you made a mistake. He simply forgives you and says, move on. He's forgotten. He's and two, as you confess that sin, I want you to know something. I'm never going to bring that sin up to you again. I'm not going to remember it. That sin is gone, and it's gone forever. But you've got an enemy out there that's going to say, Hey, you remember that time you did that sin? You really think God's forgive you? That's when you speak up and say, Yes, he forgave me because he told me he did. He said if I, he was faithful and just to cleanse me from all unrighteousness, and that's exactly what he did. I have that sin no more. It is not counted against me. And Satan, I rebuke you. You need to leave. In the name of Jesus. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. We said something a while ago in a phrase. It says, the phrase, keeps on sinning, means a habitual or continuing lifestyle. You do it daily. You do it constantly. You do it all the time. But yet you claim you're a Christian. God says, you're not a Christian. You've never truly come to me. You've never truly accepted me. You've never truly got to know me and who I am. No. You're in the world. You're in the flesh. Your God right now is the God of this world. It's not me. Anyone who continues in a lifestyle of sin after receiving the truth, they will reap the punishment for their sin. They'll reap the punishment. You reap what you sow. 
If you're sowing contempt and sin, that's what you're going to reap. God's trying to tell us, hey, if you just understood how much I loved you and everything I've done to see, we really cannot understand how such a loving and merciful, caring God could do even what he did. How, how could he send his one and only begotten son to a cruel, cruel cross to die in our place? It's as if, it's as if that Jesus came while we were still yet sinners. We were still in our sins, but Jesus still came. said, they will, some will come to me, and I'll save them. I will have them a place already made in heaven when they get there. And we can find that over in, first, over, excuse me, over in, in John. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I'd have told you so. But I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you that you may be where I am also. Pretty clear, isn't it? He's made a place for us. He's made a place for us. He wants us with him. Do you want to be with him? That's the thing. It's up to us to where we're going to be. God's given us every opportunity, every chance. Are we going to take it and receive God into our life as our Lord and as our Savior? Are we still going to go out here and walk in the world and let Satan be the God of our life? If you're choosing God of the worst world, even an asbestos suit isn't going to do you no good. But that's, where, but that's where you're going to be. That's what God's Word is so plainly says in His Word. He's not pulling any punches. He's letting you know without Him where you're going to be. He said, you have to have my Son. That's what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If no man, the only way to God is to come through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You have to come through me or accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in order to receive God. Jesus is the first stop on the road to receiving God. So, like I said, Jesus made everything real clear. He didn't try to hide things from us. Try to make it difficult. He was just right out in the open so there would be no mistake. Well, Jesus, I don't think I understood that. Why? It's written about as clear as it can be written. Are you reading your Bible? Are you reading God's Word? Are you getting that Word down on the inside of you? And uh, think about what these verses are saying, not only for your own life, but also for the lives of the people around you. You need to know God so you can share God with those around you. You know, the judgment of an eternal hell is not something that we like to think about. But we have to. We have to think about it. But as Christians, we need to force ourselves to think about these things so we can remember what the cost of sin is. That's how expensive sin is. Sin is expensive. The cost of it. And we don't think about a lot of these things. You know, many people are content right now to know that their sins have been forgiven them. Maybe we have forgotten that hell is a reality for the millions and millions of people who have not yet placed their faith in Jesus Christ. You know, there are so many people out there that have not said yes to Jesus. 
they hadn't placed their faith in Jesus. How many people have you talked to? How many people have you told about Jesus Christ and what he's done for? How many people have you asked, are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ? Are you in a church somewhere? Are you worshiping God? Do you believe in God? The answer might surprise you what they say. You know, we was talking one day. And many people have not come to church simply because they was not invited. They wouldn't ask. I was talking to a man one time. I invited him to church, and he did come. He's passed on now. But he says, and I asked him, well, why haven't you ever been in church before? If you love me, he said, nobody ever invited me. Nobody ever asked me. I didn't know if I was welcome. Make them feel welcome. Make them glad they came to your church. You know, I, I, I met, I preached some hard messages about hell. But you know, like I've told you before, Jesus spoke more on hell than he did heaven. Why? Jesus created hell. He knows what it's like. He knows what's going to be there. And he don't want you there. He's telling you, you choose God. You choose heaven. You do not want to go to hell. It was nothing but a lake of burning fire. Nothing but the gnashing and the grinding of teeth. Nothing but sorrow, nothing but pain, nothing but agony. That's hell. But heaven is all joy, all peace, no more suffering, no more death, no more sickness. Just, just, it's just a perfect place. You know, the, the Bible even tells us there will be absolutely no more sin in heaven. God's not going to allow it in there. He hates it so much that God will not allow sin in his heaven. That's going to be the only time that you don't have to deal and fight with sin is when you're in heaven. As long as you're on this earth, you're going to come have sin come against you daily. Satan is relentless. He's not going to give up. What does the Bible tell us? For he came but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That is just his job. And he's good at it. He's had a lot, a lot of experience. He knows how to... He knows your weaknesses. He knows what to tempt you with. He knows what to... What to, how to come against you. He knows, he knows each weak spot that you've got and what, what probably you would fall for. Because that's your weakness. We need to have such a strength in God in our lives that that's what Satan sees is our strength and not our weakness. And that strength is God Almighty. So, I think maybe sometimes we've forgotten that we were once God's enemies. We were once God's enemies before we said yes to him. Have we forgotten why he saved us? Why did he save us? Because of his great love. He saved us because of his amazing grace and his great love. That's why he saved us. You are so special to God. There's nobody like you. You're each one different. And God sees that difference. He sees that love you have for Him. He knows the caring you have for Him. If you didn't care and you didn't love God, you wouldn't be in here today. There's a lot of them here not here today. And they're the ones that really need to hear this message.
Maybe you can share it with them too. I know it's going to be on Facebook. Sometimes you have to make somebody feel so guilty that they want to change. That they want to change. That they want God in their life. That they're not going to be ashamed of God, but they want to rep be a representative, an ambassador of God. You know, you are really an ambassador of God. You're, you're just doing what Jesus would have done if he had walked here. That's what you should be doing. See, Jesus was God's ambassador here on earth. He was representing God who was not here. You should be representing Jesus Christ who is back in heaven with God now. They should look at you and see Jesus. Are you portraying Jesus? Do they see Jesus in you? God's love and grace are not meant to be selfishly kept to ourselves. Maybe, oh, this is so special to me, I can't share it. No, we need to share God's love, His mercy, and His grace with others. Let them have what you have. Let them see your blessings and what God is doing in your life. Grace, God's grace, is meant to be shared each and every day of our lives that God has granted us to live. We need to be representing God each and every day. So, are you sharing God with others? Are you sharing what God has done for you? There's some of you in here that's got such a great testimony of why you're in here, of what God has done in your life. That, was, that is the best thing you can do is share your own testimony, especially with your friends and your neighbors that know you. Share with them. Let me tell you what God has done for me. Let me tell you how God blessed me. Let me tell you what God is doing in my life. Many people say, I could never get up at a pulpit and preach a sermon. You've got one sermon in you regardless, and that's your testimony of what God has done in your life. And you ought to be preaching that to others. Let them see what God's done. Most of them that know you, they know how faithful you are. They know how you love God. And they know that God has blessed you. But if we're not sharing God, how is God looking at our relationship with Him? How's God looking at our relationship with Him if we're not sharing Him with others? Do we not love God enough to share Him with others and what He's done? Do we not love God enough that we will not share Him with others? I want to share Him. I want to tell somebody about God. I want to tell others what He's done for Him, how He's blessed my life. And He has. And I am so thankful to God for everything He's done in my life, for my family, my friends, for you. Each one of you have a special place in my heart. I pray for each one of you. Pray for God's blessings upon your life. Pray for God to touch you, to guide you, to lead you, to prosper you. Whenever you go through something, I pray for God's hand to guide you through it. Because God knows what you're going through, and God can bring you through it.
Remember, sometimes we have a battle. We have a battle to fight. But what does God tell us? He says, the battle is not yours, but it is mine, says the Lord. Remember that. God said, I will fight your battles. Bring them to me. I'm going to ask the band to come up if they will. I want to close. I think I've said about what I want to say. And uh, but there's someone here today that says, you know, I need, another, I need a relationship with God. I need a start over. I need a do-over. You know, God's a God of do-overs. He'll let you start again. He'll let you do a lot of things. Thank you, sir. Can you make it? But if you're here today and you feel like, God, there's some things in my life I'd like to change. There's some things I need you to do. We have altars up here. You can come and kneel at these altars. You can pray right there where you're at. If you have a specific prayer and you'd like to have somebody pray with you, I'm going to be down front. I would love to anoint you with oil and pray with you. I'd like to stand in agreement with you for what you need God to do. And like I said a while ago, we're two or more gathered together. God's presence is there. But we know that God's presence is here today. He said, don't leave here today without me. Don't leave here today without God. He's here. He's waiting on you. And you know if you need to talk to God, have a moment with Him, He's here. You're not going to have to chase Him down somewhere. He's waiting on you right now. So if you need something, if you just need to spend a moment with God, please do it. You can do it right where you're sitting, or you can do it at the altars. If you want me to pray with you, anoint you with oil, I'm going to be down front. Come down. And I will anoint you with oil and pray with you. Stand in agreement for what you need. So if y'all will...